I'm going to ask you if you would stand as I pray and then you can be seated. Today, Lord, we have come into this place to magnify your name, and to honor and to worship you. We thank you for giving traveling mercy to us. We oftentimes don't think of how blessed we are when we go up and down the freeway without incident and accident. And we don't want to take your grace for granted, but we pause and say thank you. Now, as we have gathered in this place today, we pray that you will give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We love you, we honor you, and we thank you. We give you all the glory. Have your divine way in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to give you passages. I will read a a couple of them, but in regards to where the passage that we will be reading today, the transfiguration, you can also find that in the other Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels, Mark and Luke. So for those who are writing the scriptures down, let me give these to you. Matthew 16, 28, I will read and then go to chapter 17 and read the verse the first nine verses i will then read luke chapter 9 verses 30 and 31 i think i'm going to read a passage in isaiah chapter 60 verse 19 and then one Deuter- i'll read deuteronomy 18:15 matthew chapter 16. And today, as Anisha has been out the last couple of weeks working, we don't have, won't have it on the, <clears throat> on the screen today, the, the scripture. And she's hoping to not have to work each Sunday. She's having to work some Sundays. Matthew 16, verse 28, and this is how it reads. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son. With whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one. The vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Turning your Bibles over to the book of Luke, chapter 9. Luke 9, verses 30 and 31. Oftentimes, as we've talked before, you will find 
the passage of many of the of the parables and stories in the synoptic gospel with a slight twist based on the author's his own wording and his and how he is looking at the scripture and i wanted to read this from luke chapter 9 that's not recorded in matthew and this is what it says in luke 9 verses 30 verses 30 and 31 and behold two men were talking with him moses and elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish. Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 19. Well, I won't be focusing on Isaiah. I just want to read that for part of the context. And this is what it says. The sun shall be no more your light by day. Nor the brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. Deuteronomy. That was Isaiah 60, 19. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verse 15. And this is what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. As a title, I've given this message a vision of glorification before death. A vision of glorification before death. Let me stop for a moment. Something I wanted to just say. I had the opportunity on Friday to spend a couple of hours with a good friend and a person who's been coming here, Mr. Val Kamai. Talked about the Lord, went through Romans. And when I asked, would he accept the Lord? And he said yes on Friday. Wanted just to thank him for allowing me to come and sit down and spend time with him. He had told me that sometimes when he sees my car here, he says, I want to go over and talk to him. But no, he's probably really busy. And told him a couple of weeks ago I was going to go by. And Friday worked out that we just had a, just a wonderful time just sitting there and just talking. Just incredible. So I want to just welcome Brother Valentine Kamai. Amen. A vision of glorification before death. God has not chosen, I should say, God has chosen not to hide his will from us. He has chosen to make mankind a part of his divine plan. It is the person who seeks to hijack God's will for his or her own personal agenda that has drawn erroneous conclusion as to why or why he or she is in the world. It's a person who takes God's word and feels that I can do anything that I want with it. And God will be okay. You can't hijack God's word. Can't hijack his word. Back in the early days, hijacking was pretty big on planes. It made the news. Now today you got to be concerned about somebody blowing up the plane. 
But hijacking was a big thing back in the early days. Can't hijack God's word. The transfiguration was the Lord's doing, and for his own reasons, he only chose to take three of his disciples to experience a taste of his glory in this way. It was the transfiguration that came right before his death and the conversation that took place with Moses and Elijah that centered on his departure. The transfiguration was a picture of Jesus' glorification before he was to leave this earth. He had been telling his disciples, I've got to leave here. And if you recall, it was the Lord who rebuked Peter when Peter had just said that you are the Son of God, the Son of the living God. And the Lord said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my Father has. And then just within a few verses, when the Lord spoke of his departure, it was Peter who took Jesus aside and said, no, 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 no. You're not to die. You can't die. And it was the Lord who said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. As the Lord is about to be glorified, he takes three of his disciples up to, upon a high mountain. The first point I want you to note that we're going to look at is a vision of a glorious Jesus. And I'm primarily taking that from Matthew 17, 1 through 3. A vision of a glorious Jesus. It was about six days after Jesus had spoken to his disciples and those present that one had to bear his cross if they were going to follow him. We were just learning about that in the last couple of weeks. That if you're going to follow Christ and come after him, the Bible says that you've got a cross to bear. A cross speaks of death. A cross does not speak of life. I know people are talking about, oh, I've got to bear my cross today. No, no, no. Because if you knew what the cross really meant, that you had to die to yourself, you, you might be saying, I don't know if I want to die today, Lord. But the cross speaks of death. It came from the Persian culture, and Rome actually continued it. When you think of the cross, it was the cross that, a, that, that basically a person who was going to die had to bear the cross beam of that cross. And it was the Lord who said that if you're going to come after me, you have to bear your cross. And so about six days later, after Peter had confessed at Caesarea Philippi that Jesus was the Christ, six days at that point, beyond that point, the Lord takes them up on this mountain. The Bible does not say why he did not take the other disciples with him up on the mountain. doesn't give any indication, but we have to assume that he gave them a word before going up that they were to stay there. He might have even told them, don't even allow other people that may be here to come up on the mountain. You are to stay here. And then he calls Peter, James, and John. You will note that while James later on became one of the, uh, the he was the beloved disciple of, of Christ, and his name uh, oftentimes would come before John. But when you look at 
at least in the Bible, it is often James, his brother, that is named before John. It was at the cru- it was at Jesus' crucifixion that the Lord spoke to John and told him, Take my mother into your home. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. It was Christ. Why? Because Christ knew that James was not going to be there. He was going to be killed. In Luke, the Bible says that when Christ went upon the mountain, Luke says that Jesus was praying when his appearance began to change. The Bible says that there he was transfigured, metamorpho um, fee. Uh, it, it, it means to change in form. When a person's form changes, when we think of a caterpillar, they go through metamorphosis. It's a change in form. Christ began to change right before them. And I told you last week that when we think of angels, people say that I got my little angel with me. You don't see in Scripture the Bible talking about little angels. Someone dragging their little angel or, oh, how nice that is. No, fear struck people when angels appeared on the scene. When the Lord was going to be born when he was born, and the angels appeared to the shepherds, they were frightened out of their mind. Come telling me that, oh, what a wonderful thing to behold the angel of the Lord. No, you'd be scared to death. You'd run. Angels appeared in here today, you'd be running out that door, yelling and screaming as you went. You've got to imagine as the Lord begins to change and form, the disciples were terrified. They were terrified as he began to be transformed right before them. This transfiguration occurred not long after Jesus had told the disciples not to tell anyone who he was. He had given them warning after Peter had made that confession. Now don't tell anyone. Now earlier He had allowed people to know in certain areas or told people uh, who he was indirectly. But he now tells the disciples, don't say anything. And now as they are going to go, I'll hit that later, but as they're going to go head back down the mountain, he's going to tell them, don't say anything until after I've risen from the dead. Peter had received special revelation about the Lord. And Peter was one of those ones that would just start talking at times, did not know what he was saying through his excitement. Told the Lord, I'd never leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. He then would take out a sword and cut your head off if you got him too angry. (laughs) The Lord took Peter and his personality and used him. There are people today that think God can't use me I've done too much stuff. Just look at Peter. He used Peter. He can use you. The Lord takes us. Remember, he formed us out of the dust. He took us and he put his breath. He he breathed into men's nostrils the breath of life. Because God breathed into you his life, you are something. And he can use you. Oftentimes we have this False sense of humility. 
He came to use you. And who are we to say that, oh, I'm too bad for God to use me. I've done too much wrong for him to use me. He can change you. He doesn't leave you as you are. He didn't leave Peter and the disciples as they were. He brought this group of ragtime disciples together. Nobody would have chosen him, but Jesus did. And it was to these three that he revealed himself, his glory, upon this mountain. The Bible says that his clothes became white as light, brighter than anything that actually they could imagine. When we think about when Jesus began to be transfigured right before them, as he began to change in appearance, you have to understand that the disciples had never seen this before. And they had always been questioning him. Have you, always, have you noticed and remembered when, whenever the disciples, uh, when something was, was going on and taking place, the Lord would always talk to them separately and give them the, uh, the, the meaning of what was happening? And yet, do you not know the disciples still didn't fully understand or appreciate or believe in him until after he rose? Even though they walked with him? I've told you this before. And even after this experience, they're still going to have doubt. There's really not, there's no adequate words to describe what they saw. You see, when the Bible talks about that his clothes became as white as snow, whiter than anyone could bleach them. Back in this day, they would use a certain type of, 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 of bleaching to make clothes white. And they would think of, they were saying there was nothing on earth that was whiter or light, as, as showed as much light as they saw. His face brighter than the sun. When we think about this, this, these are the words that we know that they have, but it doesn't adequately describe the glory of the Almighty. And so what happens, we take words that we know, but they don't adequately describe who God is. Do you not know that God has no limit? When we think about that God is from eternity to eternity, there are no limits to who he is or to what he can do. There's no ending to uh, his power, his glory. There's, there's nothing, when we, when we think about ourselves, we have a beginning and an end point. There's not everything we know, but God is infinite. Think about the flowers. There's not one petal on a flower that's the same. You look at the petals. Not one just the same. Numbers can go on and on. Think about this. God put this all in place. And when you think about God, there's nothing, nothing that can limit his power. He has no limits to who he is. The transfiguration of Jesus confirms his glorification when he is to rise from the dead. It was the, the transfiguration that was a testimony of the fact that he was going to rise. He had been telling his disciples, I'm going to rise. It further shows that he is going to rise from the dead. And not only that, but that he will be raised from the dead and that he will again take his position of authority. 
Now, the appearance of Moses and Elijah. Moses in the Old Testament represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. So the question is, why does, why do they appear? Now, you, you know, it, it's never really stated why they appeared. Commentators and theologians have debated, and, but the most common is that it, it is believed that because of Moses representing the law and Elijah, the prophets, they appear with him. But something I had not really paid attention to before In Luke, it states that they were talking about his soon departure. It doesn't give the details about what they talked about, but just gave, excuse me, the subject matter. It was about his soon departure. Moses and Elijah. How did the disciples even know it was Moses and Elijah? It doesn't even state how they knew. How did they understand and know that it was Moses? They, they weren't born during the time when Moses was on the earth. They weren't here when Elijah was here. How did they know? You see, all of the Old Testament is really pointing to Christ. All of the lamb sacrifices... The temporary tent in the, in the wilderness. It, it was symbolic about what was to come in the future. The Old Testament is all about him. And these two representing the law and the prophets may have been a discussion about Jesus being the fulfillment of the law. But it doesn't state that. But one might surmise that that may be the case. It is noteworthy. It is noteworthy that while Peter tried to derail Jesus' glorification by saying, Jesus, you can't die. What are you talking about? This transfiguration, it confirmed, and in the discussion, what was about to take place. He was about to leave this earth because his mission had been accomplished. In Matthew's record, that they appear talking with Jesus. And as I said, it was Luke who informs us that the conversation was about his departure. And so as we see a vision of the glorious Jesus. These three were privileged to see this. Let me quickly move on. Point number two. Listen to Jesus. Matthew 17, 4 through 9. Listen to what he has to say. We can sometimes get so nervous that we start talking and not really knowing what we're saying. Have you ever got to a place where you got so nervous that you're just talking and you you really are just talking out of nervousness? And this is what Peter is doing. In verses 1 through 3, they are actually just there observing what's taking place. But when you come to verse number 4 of Matthew 17, Peter enters the scene. Peter should have just kept quiet and just participated by watching what was taking place. It is Mark's gospel who says that they were terrified with what they were seeing when Peter started talking. It was out of being terrified that Peter began to talk. And Matthew records that while Peter was speaking, there was a cloud 
that overshadowed them. And Matthew gives the indication that while Peter is talking, God himself interrupts Peter when he says, Jesus, it is good that we are here. We're going to build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he's talking, this cloud overshadows them. And a voice comes from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. This is my son in whom, in fact, I am well pleased. Now, I want you to know something. The words that came from the cloud that God spoke, and we oftentimes think of the cloud of what's called the Shekinah glory of the Lord. You first see that the cloud when the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, going through the Red Sea, the, the, the Shekinah glory of God. It is what we have also said when we see the burning bush and the cloud, the Lord. We call that a theophany. We've, we've mentioned that before. But when we, when we see, and we see that they see this cloud and hear the voice, it's interesting to note that when Jesus was being baptized and had come out of the water, do you remember that from the sky, from heaven, there was a voice that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. At the beginning of Christ's ministry and at the end, we have the exact same words. The beginning of his ministry and at the conclusion of his ministry. The father says, I'm well pleased at the beginning. And he again says, I'm well pleased. Now, when the cloud overshadowed them and the voice spoke, the Bible says that they fell to their faces. Now, get this. This would be prostrate. Do you not know that to fall prostrate really means to worship it was a face down before the Almighty God. That's what, that's what prostrate really means, worship really means, is to be bowed face down on the ground before the Lord. It was out of fear that they are down there in honor and worship. Now, I, I, I'm not going to go too far on the other side. Now, I, I tell you, this matter of being slain in the Spirit is not biblical, I don't believe. Now, I, I know I'm stepping on toes. Why, why do I say that? Because when you think about those who fall backwards, and that was only the enemies of the Lord. Think about in the Garden of, of Gethsemane when the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, had come and when the, the mob came to arrest Jesus. And, they, and he says, who is it that you're looking for? Jesus, and he says, I am he. And the Bible says they fell back when he said that. Those that honor God fall forward and worship in submission to his will. Only the enemies of God fall away from him because of his power. When we think of worship, it is a bowing. If anybody should have fallen back by the power of God, it was these three disciples upon this hill. But we don't see that. We see them bowing forward out of fear and trembling before the almighty God. I'm going to leave that alone and go on. 
But we need to look at it. When we think about things in the Bible, we need to see how do I back up what I believe? Well, I just feel this way. Well, you might not feel that way tomorrow. Feelings are fickle. They go up and they go down. Husbands and wives that are married. I don't feel married today. Well, I'm sorry, you are. Based on how you feel, you got a contract. It's only a piece of paper. Well, it is a legal binding contract that you signed for better or for worse. During them courting days. I know I'm diverting for a minute. Divert. You, you, you. All Google eyes and looking at one another. That ain't the real you. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. That ain't the real you. That's, that's not, that's the mask. That's only the mask. That's the part. We say, saying psychology, that's just the mask. That's just to put on you. Yeah, that's going to come off one day. Mm-mm. The real, the real you gonna come out when y'all start living together. See y'all. See when you're dating, you can one can go that way, one can go that way, and you come back together. Oh, how you doing? And then you turn around and go back home. But 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 when you get together in the same house, that's why you gotta stay mad forever because it takes that long to just work out all those problems. <laughs> Give that to you for free. God bless you. <laughs> How incredible to be up on this mountain and to experience. Now, the disciples, as they are face down, they have fallen forward or kneeled down out of fear and out of reverence for the all. Mighty God, because of his power, he just appeared on the scene and just spoke, and it scared them half to death. We have to understand, it's God who says at the beginning and at the end, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Because why? He is now completing the mission that he was sent to earth to do. You see, if there was another way for it to be done, He would have chosen that. But it was already laid out from the very beginning of time that it had to be done this way. Notice that God, when he says, listen to him, he didn't say, listen to Moses, listen to Elijah. No, he didn't say that. He said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah came in fulfillment or came as a result of God bringing them into the earth and the, and the will of God being revealed to them. But it's the Lord who says, listen to him because Jesus is the Logos. He is the word. Listen to him. People have the nerve to say that they don't need to listen to Jesus. He's too restrictive. Does not give me various ways to believe He is very restrictive. Then while they were on their face, the Bible says it was Jesus who came and he touched them. You often find in scripture 
Or I should say this, a couple of times you'll find when the Lord touches people. He touched people where oftentimes they would be untouched. Lepers, the downcast, the individuals that, that were just uh, the outcast of society. But when he would touch people, it would bring comfort to them. When the Lord touches the disciples, it was to bring comfort to them because they were scared. They, they are just beside themselves. And so we, we, think about, we think about Jesus touching people. Sometimes people just need a touch. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't good to touch a leper because the leper meant that you were unclean. But Jesus touched the leper because he's the one that cleanses the leper. He would touch those that were on the outside of society where the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes, the elders, they wouldn't touch. Jesus would touch and he would let them know, you are important. And for the disciples, because they were scared out of their mind, he touches them. And when they looked up, they saw it was only Jesus. No longer in his glorified body, this vision that they saw, it it was Jesus as they knew him. And as the Bible says, they began to leave and walk back down the hill. The Bible says that Jesus says, don't say anything until after the resurrection. There are times when we can say the wrong thing or the right thing at the, at the wrong time. We can say something that is very, very much needed, but the timing may not be right. When we think about the Lord, he didn't say never speak of this. He said, after I have accomplished everything that I'm supposed to do is what he's saying. And they had just heard from the cloud, the father say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. To be in Christ, as I bring this to a conclusion, causes us not to fear. But to be outside of Christ does cause great fear. Only the words of Christ can bring us comfort. Only his touch can relieve all fear. The vision of the glory of Jesus, the Son of Man, showed and proved that he indeed was going to die and rise again. Just like he had been saying. And God the Father confirmed it at the beginning And again, at the end of his earthly ministry. Jesus was and is the one to satisfy the wrath of God in purchasing our salvation. The disciples would become the ones in history that would turn this world upside down. It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the Sadducees. It wasn't them it were it was a group of individuals that had been with the Lord. A group that no one initially thought was important, but God used used them. I want you to know something as I conclude, and that is this the Lord oftentimes takes the weak things of life, the weak things in this world to change the world, to change the lives of people.
He'll take that which seems very small and insignificant to make great changes. Don't minimize what the Lord may be doing in your life. Don't, don't minimize the calling that God has on your life. Don't say, I only do this. I only do that. No, 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 no. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Remember, it's, it's God that gets the glory in your life. Because when you say, I only do this, you're saying, ah, it's me. I only get this much glory. No, no. I do this for the Lord. Whatever he says to you, listen and obey. Today, Lord, we are grateful today for your love and your kindness and the word of God. And we pray that we will understand and know that one day we, too, have to leave this world. We're we're not going to be here forever. We have an impact to make, and that impact comes because of being connected to you. You came for people. You gave yourself for people. So therefore, we ought to love people, minister to people, help individuals. We thank you that you breathed into us the breath of life. And that we became a living soul. We didn't give life to ourselves, but it comes from the Almighty. We thank you right now. And as we leave this place today, it is our prayer that you will lead us and help us. Not to minimize what you are doing in our lives. Not to take for granted the blessings that you have given us. To help Look at people and say, what can I do to help you, to show God's love to you? Again, we lift up the Miller family. We pray for Mrs. Miller. We pray for the Bynum family. For all of the relatives. But we also know that for Richard, he's gone on to be in glory with you. Richard would not want to come back here now. We can say because he did finally put his confidence and trust in you. No matter what all may have happened before, all the things that he may have done before, because he said yes to you, it wiped everything from the past away. We're grateful to you today. And as we leave today, will you give us your traveling mercy? We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may have a good day.